my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, got a lot to cover today. First, we're going to talk about why Disney is eyeing the sales of it, its network. So, Neil, have you heard about this? Yeah, they're looking to offload uh, ABC, ESPN, yeah. and a lot of their traditional. ESPN, media. they might look to hold on to. I read about ESPN as well. They're look, they're open to discussions about getting rid of a lot of the quote unquote non digital assets, uh, as well as ESPN, from what I read on CNBC. Which is, I mean, ABC seems to make a lot of sense because it doesn't seem very Disney-ish. What are the other networks that they have? Dude, Disney owns a lot of networks. Is it ABC as well? I think ABC as well. Disney. Right? What did I say? ABC already? A- yeah, NBC? Already I don't think Disney owns NBC. That's Comcast. So they own ABC. Oh, dude, I got. There's a lot of them. ESPN, ABC, uh, FX, Fox. Remember they bought Fox. Mm-hmm. Saw the Fox ones. And there's a lot more other channels like 20th Television, FFX, um, uh, let's see, Star, uh, Localish. I don't know what Localish is. Dude, they just have a ton of them. A lot of them are like Fox related, like National Geographic. Um, Let me give you my take on this. There's a lot of A&E networks. I don't know that was them as well. Yeah, well, here, here's my take on it, right? I think what you all can learn from this, the reason why we're even bringing this up right now, because A, they own a lot of media, but there also is a point in time where you can bloat yourself and have too much media. I think they went on a, a M&A spree, right? And Bob Iger was really good at buying Marvel, for example, Pixar. Uh, I think he was part of the Fox deal as well, right? And um, w- what I'm thinking about here is the macro picture here is, a lot of companies are going back to basics. So I have, I'm looking at a thread with my friend right now. And so he had to step back into his business and literally it says, I fired my president and CEO. 
making some big time new 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 hires, right? And he's like, oh, I fired this this person too. Um, and you know, the balance is is main thing he's saying here is like everyone realized that it was when they during the pandemic that it was that they wanted to hire other people so they can step away from their job. And then they realized they hired a bunch of B and C players and they had to step back in. Meaning that everyone's a lot of people are going back to basics, right? Like we you and I, we have mutual friends. They're cutting a lot of products that don't make sense anymore. They're cutting staff that doesn't make sense anymore. And it ultimately just comes back down to a level of focus. At least that's what I believe. No, dude, I totally agree with you on that. And also some of these are legacy businesses and dying. So might as well cut them now while you can get some sort of uh, decent valuation on them uh, before everything truly moves digital as well. Yeah. And so again, if you think about it, like, I, I don't know about you, when I watch Disney plus, I don't watch any of the Fox stuff. I only watch the Disney stuff. Right. And like, it's on brand for them. I think FX, I don't think I've watched, I don't, I never flipped to that channel for years and years. I maybe watch like one movie ever on FX. You, you probably you, more. Do you even have cable TV? No, oh, I have YouTube TV. So that kind of counts. So yeah, that counts. Yeah. But the only stuff I watch is like, you know, the sports stuff or, but I subscribe to everything else. Sure. Same as you. Um, point is everyone, I think the, the, the key takeaway here, but before we move on is sometimes if you find that you are, the, the train is kind of running without brakes on, you have to slow down to speed up. And sometimes that means cutting stuff. Like we have a mutual friend, he cut 88% of his, his marketing staff. And then a lot of people that haven't been operating for the last couple of years, they're, they're back in it. They're big. Like my friend that was texting me yesterday, he's like, yeah, you know, I thought I could hire all these people. And I was just sitting at home playing call of duty. I had a kid and I bought a new home and all that. I was just collecting my $2 million paycheck a year. And, and it's like, I was just thinking about it completely the wrong way. So in in business or in marketing not everything is always going to work out or sometimes things will work out but over time you got to adapt and change and sometimes you got to cut fat for, uh to adapt and change and you may not like it but in many cases it'll be the right thing to do dude i'll give you one more right here so andrew wilkinson mutual friend right so uh he he wrote a tweet here saying pretty much every entrepreneur i've talked to no matter how simple and wonderful their business is thinks it's the worst most stressful dumpster fire that could go out of business at any moment. Everything is hard behind the scenes. And so, you know, I it thought always is it, when you see those success stories of people growing their companies at a rapid pace and then selling them, that's what you see on the outside. That's not really the case. And a lot of them are like, man, I can't believe we pulled this off. This is pure luck. You know, uh, I remember when there was a social media app that lets you schedule tweets and shares or Facebook posts, whatever you want to end up calling it, ended up getting an offer from another massive social network. And they got an offer in the nine figures. And it was lucky for them when they started off, they never took it. And now the company isn't even worth nine figures probably 10 years later. Wow. Tough. Um, I, look, our point here is focus is one piece of it, but related to the business piece, that was a little tangentially related. You just want to move the ball one inch. Some days it's going to be one inch. Sometimes you're going to throw a 10 yard pass. Sometimes it's going to be a hail Mary. And there, uh, the, the key thing here is as long as you're moving forward, that's what ultimately matters at the end of the day. And focus helps you continue to move forward in the right direction. So the second thing we wanted to talk about here was, I don't know if you saw this, but JLo, there's a virgin ad. It was a deep fake of her. So it was like her, like, like this, like, Hey, I'm Jennifer Lopez. Right. And then, then all of a sudden the deep fake turns off and it's like this, this like 
basically like this tech geek, like developer, right? And it's like you hear a guy's voice. And then someone else comes into the picture. It's, it's like a it's like a gal. She's like, let me try this instead. You suck at this. And she comes back. And then the deep fake with JLo comes back on. And then it's like, hi, I'm JLo. And then, but basically the key here is that JLo is allowing her likeness to be licensed. And remember, we talked a, a couple months ago about, about Grimes basically allowing yeah. people to license her. And then she would just take 50% of the cut. We're seeing more yeah. and more of this. And and Drake wasn't happy with the overall concept, nor was mm-hmm. the weekend uh, when people created music, uh, collab with both of them using AI. But you're gonna see more of this, and yeah, you'll even give people a discount. Cool, you can use my name and likeness and put it out there. I get paid, and I don't even have to go into a studio and film anything. That's great. Why wouldn't more people do that? Especially yep. if they're using your name and likeness in a way that you approve of, right? I th- I don't think most of these popular celebrities are gonna end up approving stuff that just gives them money, but can tarnish their reputation. You're going to see way more of this going forward. And you've already seen it in basic form. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of places and sites where celebrities will give a testimonial or endorsement that's non-video and text. It's because they got paid money and someone just you know said, hey, here's an image, a general one that you can end up using. And here's a quote from JLo or Tom Brady or whoever it may be. You know, you know where this is going to proliferate? The adult industry. So we actually have a mutual friend who will be at the upcoming event. Um, he's getting involved in the adult industry in terms of deep faking. Uh, so we'll let you, you know, take your imagination where you want. But I think I'm that's going to be a big business. I'm mutual friend this is because I've never heard about this until now. You know who he is and you would never guess who it is, but you'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, I'll tell you something after once we're offline too, but, um, the other thing we want to talk about, I want to flip over to yours, Neil, actually. So Neil put this one, this one in, but threads engagement is actually decreasing. So just to last week, we did a reactions video. And I think at the time threads was maybe at 70 million users or so now it's over a hundred million. And, you know, they're all talking about the fanfare. Oh my God, it's over a hundred million, the fastest growing app, whatever, da, 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 da. Right. So Neil, what have you seen? Sure. So we did an analysis. We took 308 people, mainly marketers, who are on Twitter and threads and looked to see who was posting similar uh, pieces of content roughly at the same time. And we analyzed the difference. And we also uh, recruited some people to help and also post because we couldn't get enough people, quote unquote, naturally by just uh, uh, crawling threads. And when we were analyzing the data, we compared engagement. So when we're just looking at average hearts per post or likes, whatever you want to end up calling it, threads was at 31.4 versus Twitter was at 4.9. This is roughly a week's worth of data. And when you look at average comments per post, threads was at 4.3, Twitter was at 0.4. And you could be saying, oh, this is skewed, Neil. You may have a lot more followers on thread or Twitter. So then we started looking at the engagement ratio per follower. And when you do it on a per follower basis with threads, it was 0.41% for likes or hearts. And with Twitter, it was 0.015%. When you look at average comments per post on threads, it was 0.056%. And the Twitter version was 0.001%. But here was interesting in my post, funny enough, I also wrapped up and I pretty much broke down how engagement on threads will decrease. CNBC also ended up releasing an article on that. Uh, but I wrote this before I ended up even seeing that article. And when we were looking at the data, we were seeing overall engagement decreasing because when a social network first comes on, it's hot. Everyone's on it. People start logging in less over time. Um, but we do believe 
that a over time reach will be suppressed once they start monetizing, but that's a long time from now, potentially years from now. And we do believe threads will become more popular once in the next six months, once they open it up to way more countries. So overall your engagement may go down per post or per follower, but if they can keep adding in more and more followers for you or more and more people onto the network, eventually it'll end up, uh, mon uh, it'll end up still giving you a decent reach and probably more than Twitter. And the main reason being is they're not going to cramp down and reach or suppress it because they're not monetizing right now. Right. And what we said last week was we don't believe that it's an or, so it's not Twitter or threads, it's and, and it's, they're going to coexist. And I, I think this is just how it's going to work. It's just another social platform to post to. So I think it's, I mean, Neil, you haven't, have you posted this week at all? I have not posted this week, but funny enough, when you were talking about that, I wrapped up my blog post because I got, I've been getting so many people asking which one should I use threads or Twitter. And I literally, and I'm going to read it verbatim. I wrapped up my conclusion, my blog post, whether it's Instagram threads or Twitter has more engagement, doesn't really matter. You can post similar types of content on both platforms. So might as well do so. Yep. And I, what I, the way I look at it now is like, sometimes I just use my t Twitter or threads. It's like a stream of consciousness. And so I just let out whatever I let out. And if it works well, then obviously I'm going to post it to both, first of all. And then second of all, if it does really well, then that's ideas for that signal for me to pump out content either for this podcast or uh, for YouTube or whatever. Right. And so that's how I, it's like a little antenna that I have to guide the content that I want to be creating. So that's that. All right. Next one is Prime Day, Prime Day sales total 12.7 billion. It falls short of it falls short of expectations. So I believe it grew. Sales grew year on year by 6.1% or something like that, but they expected 7.2%. So we're seeing a little bit of a deceleration here. And by the way, Neil, did you buy anything? I did not. My wife did, but I what? did not. I wasn't planning on buying anything. And then I realized that my TV is almost 10 years old. So I bought a new TV. Um, so yeah. Huh. Did you know I've never bought anything from Prime Day? Not once. I mean, not even like toilet paper. I bought a lot of toilet paper. I've never bought anything. From Dude, Prime you Day. toilet paper for 30% off. Why would you have you save a lot of money? I, I didn't know they sell toilet See, paper. I thought it was 30, 40% off. That's, that's very un-Indian of you to not look at these deals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't buy anything on Prime Day. I should have. Um, but I also look at it as like, if I buy a lot of toilet paper and I don't need it right away, it's holding costs. And now I have money tied up in toilet paper, which I could invest. Oh in my God. Someone right should now. clip you on that. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. I know so many people that hoard and just buy stuff when it's at discount. I'm like, so you bought three years worth and you saved 10% or 15%. Your money could have compounded and made you much more. Yeah. It's like a couple hundred dollars, but you know what? By, oh, adds up, adds up. Fun, funny thing here, you're right. I can't argue with you. But funny thing is I accidentally had the subscription on for toilet paper for a long time. And when I was moving a, a couple of years ago, one of my entire closets was all toilet paper. Wow. So, yeah. So that's the, you're right holding about the holding cost. Costs. Yeah. Look at all that money you lost. And the space that was wasted too. Yes. Not just on the, not just on the cost of the toilet paper, but you would have made money if you invested it in something else. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, so anyway, I think the key thing for me looking at this is a couple months ago, I was at a, I was at an event and one guy, he does a lot. Uh, I think his name's Zamir and he has a lot of consumer data. And what he told me was that he saw consumer data, like for moms, people that are maybe middle age and higher, their spending has 
cut drastically, right? Whereas Gen, Gen Zers, they have a lot of this extra money, stimmy money and all that, and they're just plowing it. They're just buying a bunch of stuff, right? And so that continued, whereas in 2022, people that are middle age plus, they decreased their spending sharply, right? And so now I think we're kind of seeing things slow down a little bit. And I think this is a good signal. Like if the, if this fell short of expectations, well, then I think we're going to see with the continued interest rate hikes, I think we have two or three more, whatever it is. Um, I think we're just going to see more softening and that directly affects how we go about marketing. Yep, totally. Uh, and going back on the threads topic, let's actually talk about Twitter because with Twitter, they launched an Twitch, ad Twitch, Twitch. Oh, oh, Twitter. Okay, got it. You're highlighted on the Twitch one. So yeah. No, Twitter launches an ad revenue sharing for creators. Um, and I think this is their way of trying to combat threads and all the press and the hype that they're getting. Right Did you now. see that screenshot? There was one gal, she shared a screenshot of her first day earnings. It was like twenty four or $42,000, something like that. Wow. I didn't realize it was that high. I never saw that. Yeah. And then I, I saw I saw someone else share and then he's... Um, He's a well-known creator that talks about business. I think his first payout was like $3,000 or something like that. And so I think the how you would qualify this, it looks like you clicked on the link. It's you need more than 5 million impressions in, a, in over like an average in a three-month period. Is that what it is? Let's click on it real quick. Uh, let's see. Have at least 5 million impressions on your post in the last three months. Yeah. So in each of the last three months, that means you need to average that, it seems. So... Then you need to right, right. in the, each of the last three months. So you need, you need to, to be subscribed it. to Twitter Blue or verified organization. So I think it's like twenty bucks or a thousand bucks a month, depending on whatever it is. Um, and then you have to pass the human review. I, I do. I mean, here's the thing. I think um, you know people are talking about Threads last week, but now this coming out, I think, is a big deal because I remember Elon tweeted something to to Mr. Beast, because um, Mr. Beast was actually sharing his numbers on on the videos. He's like, hey, post this stuff to YouTube too. We're going to try to match what YouTube pays you as well. So why wouldn't you do it? Dude, and when, when you look at all these social networks, they're all pretty much copying each other and trying to fight for the same attention. Just like Twitch, they added stories, right? So they're all doing the same thing to just gobble up the attention. There's nothing really new here. Yeah. I mean, look, threads, okay, ad sharing, Twitch adding stories, and they, they might have different spins on it, but at the end of the day, it's 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 a feature set that most people are used to. And that's what the social game is. Like if you were to look at it maybe 10 years ago, it's, oh my God, Instagram's so innovative. Stories are so innovative from Snap. And once really Meta started to pioneer the copying piece, everyone became okay with the copying. And so that's just the way. That, I mean, there's no shame in copying as long as you know you're doing good for your users. And speaking of copying, Shopify did the same thing now, right? They're doing buy now, pay later, just like uh, Max Lechin with his, uh, what's his company called? Uh, Affirm. Affirm. And then uh, Square or Block has what, Afterpay, I think it is called? Yep. So, and, you know, Shopify is releasing the same thing. There's nothing wrong with copying. A lot of corporations do it, ends up working. Why is Shopify doing it? It'll help end up boosting your e-commerce conversions and make you more money over time. And they're doing up to 12 months interest-free payments, up to 24 months with interest. And it sounds pretty good, especially if you're selling things at high ticket prices for e-commerce, EX televisions or dishwashers or anything that costs like a thousand plus dollars. I mean, I think as people look, the, uh, the economy is going to get a little tougher. I mean, here's the thing, Neil, like as a side note, 
you know, we're talking about this hard landing, but there's like a outside possibility. It's a soft landing, but just in case it is a hard landing, which is what I still think we're both thinking yeah. money is people paying for stuff. is just going to become harder and harder. And so what Shopify put in here for their buy now, pay later BNPL is it says the platform can provide users two payment options for orders between $50 and $17,500 up to 12 months, interest-free payments up to 24 months with interest. Sounds pretty useful if you're selling high ticket items in the current economic client climate, right? So you can be selling like a course or you can be selling, you know, special, um, I don't know, like one-off drops with your merch or whatever it is. Right. But the key, the key thing with a BNPL is, do, do you know how they make money, Neil? It's a huge, like, the interest rates are huge. That's what it yeah. is. It's just like credit cards. Yep. It's people putting money on credit cards and not paying it till later on. It's the same concept. Yeah. And so the key thing, by the way, if you're like a consumer, I think we, which we all are, right? Credit cards at the end of the day, the smart way to use them is just don't carry a balance, right? So don't wait to have to pay that interest. That's all. Um, but that's what it is. Anyway, so the, uh, the next topic here. So the reason I brought this on up, I was listening to a pod um, and Sam Ovens was on it. And Sam Ovens, so he's, we've hung out with him a couple of times, really smart dude, really sharp guy. He used to have a company called consulting.com, which is doing about 36 million a year, top line, five or 6 million in profit. And he's just spending a lot on ads, right? And, you know, for him, he was actually one of the, I'd say he probably wouldn't like being called an internet marketer, but he was using a lot of internet marketer tactics to drive people in his courses. Right. Um, now what I found interesting is that, cause I, I put some money into his new company, um, school. Do you know what school does, Neil? Uh, no, I, I, I know it's a software product and consulting.com. If I'm not mistaken, he ended up selling it. Right. Cause there was a new owner. At least he sold it. Yeah. By the way, the new owner is coming in a couple of weeks. So new owners coming from consulting.com. Um, he sold it to this guy, uh, Ryan Doris or Ryan Doris. And, Main thing here that I want to call out is is going back to almost the first topic that we talked about earlier, which is this whole idea of of focus, right? So for him, he actually read a book called I think it's um, Lean Thinking or something like that, and it's all about customer obsession, right? And so what he did was he shut down his he basically cut all the staff from his thirty six million dollar a year business, made it into a mastermind where he's charging fifty grand a year for the mastermind, and basically there's like five staff running it, and I believe. All the revenue like came down a lot, but he was still doing like five or six million a year in in profit, right? So with a lot less headache. Correct, correct. And because what he learned before was that, and this is good for marketers to understand, because sometimes we get a little sidetracked. Like Neil and I are here talking about strategies, tactics, the newest things, and all that. But like the key thing is what he learned is that his company was too focused on marketing. They're too focused on the funnels. They're too focused on the hooks. They're too focused on looking good. And when he flipped it over, thinking about the customers first, he's like. Oh crap! I have it all wrong. So that he cut his fifty, the staff of fifty people to five, and just made it really profitable. Focused on the mastermind, did a really good job there. While he built school, which was his passion, he's always been passionate about building software. So I think the key thing here, two key things, is one, focusing on the customers, and then two, really locking down and building what you think works for you. No, totally. Uh, and how's this new software company doing? So here's what he said on, on on that pod. Basically, he put 10 million of his own money into it. It's doing really well right now. And he's basically saying for every like 100 people that sign up for that, that enter a community, 1% will become users of his software. And so he's seeing like a viral effect. And he I think he's running close to break even right now. And keep in mind, it's still a startup, but it seems like he's having more fun than he's ever had. So yeah, good for him. 
And by the way, we'll add one more thing because this relates to both of us. Speaking of doing what makes sense for you, like doesn't matter what I say on this podcast, how you should do things or what Neil says, even though sometimes we say you should do things, but at, at, at the end of the day, you should do what's right for you, right? This is the thing that you should do, do what's right for you. And what I mean by that is when, when Sam said that, it's like, oh man, he really relates to us because he's like, yeah, I have one pair of shoes. I wear the same stuff all the time and that is it. And that's literally Neil and I, right? Like I just wear Lululemon stuff or aloe or vo like all yoga stuff, right? And Neil just wears Henleys all the time. That's right. I wear the same Henleys. I have 20 of them and I don't think they're that expensive. Maybe like 20, 30 bucks each. Yep. There you have it. That's why I, I want to talk about them. The new ones have no holes though. I got all new ones. Lift your shirt up. Lift your shirt up. No holes. Look. Oh, no holes. Look at that. So for the longest time, Neil was wearing these Henleys that had holes in it. I don't know if he's trying to look for what I'm wearing now. I just got new ones without holes because Eric and other people would poke their fingers in my holes and they would laugh. <laughs> I think it's funny because literally everyone had a hole. I've had them for so many years. Yeah. My wife's like, honey, you need to buy new ones. They just look so terrible. I was like, okay. Yep. Anyway, look, by, by the way, I'll, I'll add one more thing here. One more wrinkle. This is just what came to my mind. Like I've been testing a lot of these creator services for like Twitter. And there's, um, there's one guy out there, um, that has been starting multiple agencies at the same time. Like he has one for like design. He has one for clips and all that. And, um, you know, I've been trying these services and what I realized at the end of the day is man, like, you know, you can try all these services, but I'm like, nothing is better than just like in my opinion, having something in-house where someone really understands your stack and what you're trying to do. Um, I tried to give these all a shot, but, and they, they all came with big promises, but a lot of these creator services, man, like, um, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know how you, you like, I, I feel like you try a lot of these things too. So maybe we should speak to it for, for a moment. Uh, I don't try too many of them. I, I think you try maybe way more than I do. Yeah. Maybe I test these a lot more, but um, and, and then by the way, there's like another gripe I have how most service companies call, I'm just complaining now, but how, how most companies call, like most service companies call their, their revenue ARR. Like if you're an agency, you call all your revenue ARR for the most part, if you're a smaller agency, like your revenue ain't ARR. So well, even for large agency, a lot of it's just revenue, but software companies, ARR stands for annual reoccurring revenue. And if your revenue is all reoccurring, by all means, you can call it that. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. But it's funny because a lot of people count. I was looking at a software company today. They do 3 point something million, 3.5, I think, in revenue. And they were just like, yeah, this is ARR. And I was like, but you just said last month, 153,000 was reoccurring. The rest was one time. I'm like, this is not all annual reoccurring revenue. Some of this is reoccurring. Some of it is one time. Yeah. So anyway, I mean... Look, if you want to, that, that's like, that's just us complaining a little bit more so since I started it, but anything else from your side? Nope. That's it. Make sure you guys rate review this podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for your time. Goodbye. Hey girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts